Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. Happiness seems to be the one thing we all want, and yet, one thing that can be so elusive. Many think that more money, a new job, or maybe even a new relationship will bring happiness, only to reach that goal and still feel empty and unhappy. Today's luminary believes that true, sustained happiness has much less to do with our possessions or our achievements and much more with our perception of what we have and our perception of the world around us. She's a professional counselor, a coach, a professor, a best-selling author who guides individuals through self-discovery and personal and career goal achievements. I am so honored and delighted to welcome her here today. Her name is Dr. Colleen Georges, and she's here today to talk with us about happiness. Colleen, thank you for joining us here at InspireMeTodayRadio.com. Thank you so much, Gail, for having me. I'm honored. Ah, no, it's it's our privilege to have you here. Some of our listening audience may not yet know who you are, so tell us a little bit. Share a bit of your story with us. Sure. Um, so, you know, I like to think uh, I'm just uh, a regular girl, but uh, my name is Colleen Georges. Um, I would say that what I am, as you described, a life coach, a career coach. Uh, I also teach at Rutgers. I teach women's leadership courses. I teach uh, graduate counseling courses to train future counselors to work with people. And um, I guess I really think of myself uh, as a positive psychology enthusiast. And, uh, and, and, I, and I hope to get to talk a little bit about that today, a field of passion of mine. But um, And now, you know, part of uh, a, a best-selling book called Contagious Optimism. And that's a little bit about me. And a mom of the best person on earth, Joshua. <laughs> that's excellent. Well, your Contagious Optimism, as I was mentioning to you, I just interviewed your co-author, yes. David Mizzapal, earlier this morning. And uh, wish you guys the greatest luck on that series. I have no doubt it will go right to the top of the number one best-selling charts. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting. Well, Colleen, we all have those moments in our life that define who we are. Can you t uh, share a moment with us where you literally stepped off the ledge, took a risk with the belief that you'd succeed? Oh, boy. Uh -huh. I can think of so many moments. Um, you know, I can really say that in looking back, and I've shared this with people when I've talked about contagious optimism and how I became involved and sharing a little bit about, you know, was I always an optimist? And, and I can say that the answer is no. Um, I, I spent probably a little over 10 years of my life um, as a worrier, uh, as a person who was very anxious a lot of the time and uh, probably wallowing a lot in the past or spending a lot of time thinking about mistakes I had made, things I should have done, lots of what ifs and should haves and could haves and would haves. Right. And uh, not not very much time in the present. And, well, um, hang on a second. I want to jump sure. in and ask you a question if I can. Sure. Do you think that optimism is something that you are born with, the predisposition to either be optimistic or pessimistic, or do you think it's learned? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there are people that are naturally predisposed to being typically more bubbly or seeing, you know, the silver lining or the bright side of things more so than others. Um, but I also believe that, it's, that it can be learned. I think that, you know, as you, as you learn different little things that you can do every day to kind of increase your optimism, increase, you know, happiness, change the way that you look at life, the way that you look at the world, the way that you look at yourself and others, the people within your world, I think that you can absolutely boost your optimism. Definitely, no doubt. Okay. 
Well, please continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just no, talked no. about this exact thing on the other call. So that's <laughs> that's why I wanted to know your take on that while you were going. So um, go back and please continue sure. where you are with you were dealing with not being an optimist for you know right. a period of time. <laughs> what changed it? What changed? Um, I think it, it really was at a point in my life where emotional things, be, you know, be, they turned physical. As we often know, you know, when we're feeling physical symptoms, sometimes they're actually related to stress. And in my case, uh, I began to have panic attacks. It was in my, I would say, early to mid-20s, I began having panic attacks and not knowing what they were. Uh, I, I thought that maybe I had asthma. Uh, I said, oh my God, why can't I breathe? What's going on? I started to have uh, terrible jaw pain where I'd be have, in mid-conversation with someone and my jaw continued to just un- literally unlock itself in mid-conversation or if I would laugh or smile, it would unlock. I, I realized I clearly was grinding my teeth at night. I, was, I caught myself doing it during the day. Um, and I think when, when emotional things became physical, that was really when I had a revelation in essence that I needed to do something to change the way that I was living my life. It's a real wake-up call. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how long ago was this? Ooh, um, well, I'm 38. Okay. <laughs> so this so was almost 20 probably, years. Yeah, yeah, quite a long time okay. ago. All right, well, please yeah. continue. How did you make the change? It was one of those moments where, you know, like many people, you know, I was trained as a counselor, and as a counselor, one of the things that you learn is the best way to learn how to help others is to sit on the other side of the chair, as sure, you, help as yourself. you say, right? <laughs> so... So I, you know, did a little bit of my own uh, therapy as well uh, when I was a graduate student, and um, and I think that it was it was really around that time that uh, I thought to myself, do I want to enter counseling again, or do I want to see if this is something that I can work on myself? Have I learned enough from my own studies, from my own counseling experiences, to take that information and to try to do this on my own? And and that's really what I chose to do. So I thought, well, what are the things that are sort of plaguing me right now? What is it that, that seems to be causing these anxieties? And a, and a lot of the things that were making me literally physically sick were the fact that, one, I was spending too much time worrying about the future and instead not necessarily doing things to plan for it, but worrying, 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 and thinking that this worrying was somehow going to make a difference in my life. It was going to make things controllable, right? Yeah, <laughs> if I worry, right. I can control my world. How did that and... work for you? <laughs> Not so well. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't usually work for most people. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and also, again, thinking about the past and worrying, thinking about mistakes and and thinking about how I should have done things. Should have, would have, could have, Sam. Should have, would have, could have, you know, and what if. And, and a, lot of those, a lot of those moments. And then the other piece of it was really, I lived in a world where I would tell myself that the reason that I wasn't happy was because, well, I haven't finished my doctorate yet. It's because I, I'm in <laughs> school. And once I finish, once I get my doctorate, then I'll be happy. That'll be the day. <laughs> Yeah, and once no. I find the husband, once I find the job, <laughs> once I have the child, once I make more money, once I move, once yeah, uh-huh. whatever. We uh-huh. all have those kind of put off happiness until because, you know, that's what retirement's for, right? Oh, exactly. That's when you get to be happy, right? You Wait a minute. You miss half your life. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm claiming happiness right here right now. 
Because yeah. seriously, it's one of those things that I, that someday never comes unless we claim it. It never comes, exactly. Well, talk exactly. to us a little bit about happiness specifically. I love what you wrote in your Today's Brilliance where you talk about well, first off, where you said true sustained happiness has much less to do with your possessions and achievements, achievements, help if I could speak, but rather your perception of what you have and the world and people around you. So in other words, are we back to talking about stories again? Yeah, yeah. Our stories so, of I don't have enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not whatever enough. You got it. And it, it really has very little to do with any of that. And, and that, that was life-changing for me. I think it really came down to, well, what are the things that actually, when I, when I feel happy, what is it that makes me feel happy? And really assessing, again, going back all those years to my early 20s, what were the things that did make me happy? And it wasn't when I would get a good grade or when I would, you know, date a great guy. And those were none of the things that actually were making me happy. The things that made me happy was when I could, one, recognize all the things I already had. What were all the things that were already in my life, the people that were in my life, the, the little things of every single day? The little interactions with strangers in a store, you know, a conversation on the on, on a line in a supermarket, or or a moment where you get to do something for somebody. Somebody needs you, and you get to help somebody out. Those are the times when you feel good. Those are the times that I realize I cherish. And if I could find a way to incorporate more gratitude, more kindness into my life, that 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 was the path. That was the true path. You know, I'm sitting here kind of like, "Mm mm-hmm, you're singing my song. Gratitude (laughs) to me is where it all starts. And you know, Colleen, with our, what, over a thousand luminaries we have now on Inspire Me Today, one of the things that is a common denominator is every time I ask a luminary, what keeps you balanced? What keeps you grounded? What keeps you who you are? The first thing they say is gratitude. Now, I don't think that that's a coincidence. I really don't. I think it has something to do with that they are who they are because of the gratitude, not the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things I'm fascinated by is that, you know, in, in really studying and teaching positive psychology, you know, which, which is, again, a field that really largely studies what is it that makes us happy? What is it that creates life satisfaction, the good life, so to speak? And... At the top, the very, very top of the list is gratitude, of course. And in terms of how, how do we cultivate happiness, some of the most common exercises used to work with, to coach work, uh, clients or to counsel clients, and just to work with yourself and other people in your life is to build gratitude, exercises that build gratitude. Interesting. I had a discussion. My head is spinning in talking to you in that (laughs) I have my normal list of questions, but my head is going somewhere different right now, and so is my heart. I had a discussion with a girlfriend about a month ago, and this is a woman who has, you know, the great family, great financial future. There is, she would never have to work another day of her life. There is nothing that she needs as far as physical needs in her life. And she sat down and cried and told me how unhappy and miserable she is. And I thought, you know, this is a life that most people would look at and say, man, she has it made. Mm -hmm. And yet 
there was something missing. And she was asking me, what do I do? Where do I start? And I was, of course, telling her, find a good therapist or good person to work with, a good coach. But also start with, what are you grateful for? Start with that and then get outside of yourself and go find something bigger than you are. Contribute your time, your energy, your talent to something that means something more. And from that, by helping others, getting out of your own way, you'll find your own, your own, your own form of happiness. Do you agree? I mean, what, what would you say to her? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and interestingly, um, I think it was last night on inspiremetoday.com's uh, inspire uh, on the Facebook page. I think I saw a quote from you, which I reshared on my page, which Thank said you. something something to the effect of that, that the, the, the greatest way to, uh, th- these are your words, so I apologize. For no, this. please. <laughs> <laughs> but the greatest way to... Um, to fulfill your own dreams is to help someone else fulfill theirs. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's—I think it's true. I absolutely. There's, there's no. You said it to get out of yourself. You know the, the moments that even, I think what's so interesting is those who, those who you know research happiness and go around the world and, and look at well, who are the happiest countries or who are the happiest people or or look at people in different conditions. Those who have monetary resources or and those who don't. Um, those who lived in impoverished communities or impoverished countries. You know, the question always is, right, does money buy happiness? And one thing is that money can buy happiness, but only if you spend it, one, on other people, two, on experiences rather than stuff. <laughs> and a lot of those experiences are best shared with other people. So it has usually has much to do with helping other people of being with other people. Those are the things that seem to increase our happiness and make us feel better. Oh, I think you're so right. You know, one of the other things I want to talk to you about, and again, you're my fourth interview that I've done this morning, and (laughs) all three of the other ones, their topics were all on watch out, be mindful of believing your own stories. And I'm looking at this as a theme today, I guess is the easiest way I can put it, in that one of the things you mentioned in your today's brilliance is reframe your perception, which to me is believe or not believe, or at least analyze your own stories. Because our perception, one event can happen, you can look at it one way, I can look at it another, and it can have completely different meaning when we both witness the exact same thing, depending on our perception. So talk to us a little bit about that. You know, it's funny, I don't know why this popped into my head, but probably oh, maybe three weeks ago, the rainy day, I live in New Jersey, and it was kind of a rainy day, and my son, who's four years old, he said to me, Mommy, we have to run to the car because it's raining, and we don't want to get wet, it, it's a nasty day, and I, and I looked at him, and I smiled, and I said, let's walk, let's walk, let's walk slowly, he said, what, but we're going to get wet, Mommy, we're going to get wet, and I said, the rain's an adventure, rain isn't nasty, rain is beautiful, I said, who made rain, and he said, God made rain. I said, right, and everything that God made is beautiful. I said, we, we, should, we should experience the rain. Let's, you know, let's run through the rain. So I thought that was kind of a good metaphor for sure. how you look at it. You know, how you look at it. it, it it's not about weather. It's not about money. It's not about, oh, you know, there's so many things that we decide. In the end, we decide how we're going to feel about things. But it's not to say that, obviously, we live in a world where, Events happen to us that can be terrible, that can be tragic, that, you know, you, you wonder how you'd ever get through it. Or you know of other people that experience traumas and things that you think 
how could they ever survive that? But it's fascinating because people do. And you could look, as you said, at two people who experience a very similar situation. Why does one somehow know to, how, how to transcend it? How, do, how does one person know how to be resilient in a terrible situation where another can become debilitated by it? Exactly. Because there's something within, there's just something within that can enable you to overcome damn near anything. Or something they've learned. Absolutely. Well, you know, Colleen, somebody could look at you and think that you've got this really cushy, easy life. You're a professor, best-selling author, great family, great children, you know, just the whole thing. And they say, I can't identify with her because she's never had to go through the kind of adversity that I have. So talk to me a little bit about that because I'm guessing that you too deal with (laughs) things like challenge, things like fear, things like adversity. What do you do? Do you ever get frightened? And if you do... What do you do about it? How do you handle it? Oh, well, definitely. And I can say, you know, first, first thing to say is that uh, this is my second marriage. I'm in a successful, fortunately, very happy marriage with a son, um, but it's not my first marriage. And my, my first marriage obviously ended. And um, you know, I think about that as a really hard time for me, um, to coming through what it feels like to lose a relationship um, and and, and, to, and to learn how to start over and to not be terrified. And in and, and many ways, I was. I was terrified that I, that I would never find love again or would I be able to be happy again? Would, you know, was I the type of person that could be married? Maybe, maybe I'm not. You know, there's so many questions I had about myself. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean. Having been divorced and remarried, yeah. I understand completely what you're talking about. You know, so... So I think, you know, and, and, and certainly when I look back at other things in, in my life, you know, I, I was in a, previous to, to my marriage, I was in a, a, an emotionally abusive relationship for, for three years um, and went through a period of time where I most certainly felt, you know, like I lost myself um, and re, it felt like a very much a process of rebuilding who I was. I went from being a very extroverted person um, who had a, a large network of, of people in my life to, after coming out of that relationship, looking around and realizing that, um, you know, in conjunction with that ex, I had alienated a lot of people in my world, friends, family, um, isolated myself. I'd become very introverted. I was very fearful and afraid of people. Um, once again, afraid to enter a relationship with someone else. How, um, did, you, how did you break that cycle? There's one thing I truly believe. We go through times where we say, well, I'm never going to make that mistake again. You know, all these things, oh, well, I, you know, you, I'm, I'm jaded now, and I'm, I'll, I'll learn from that mistake. But we say sometimes those things with anger. And I, I always believe that anything we say with anger doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't necessarily the healthiest way to go about trying to protect yourself. <laughs> anger Anger is good. You need anger. Everybody needs to be able to be angry sometimes. The anger that we hold on to ends up, you know, it doesn't protect us. It eats us alive. Uh-huh. So, um, so I think being able to let go of the anger let and, um, and say, you know, do I want to completely cut myself off from other people because I'm afraid that, you know, I've had so many. And there were previous other relationships that were, very, very bad, and you know, that I've had so many failed attempts at relationships, do I just want to stop trying to have them? 
or do I want to take a chance for the risk of something wonderful? And I think that's how I, I live my life, you know, all around. Is so when the, the benefit, when the benefit outweighs the negative, the fear dissipates. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's always going to be things that you're afraid of that you say, you know, it's not worth it to me, right? I am not, you know, I'm not your sort of uh, thrill-seeking person. I will never jump out of an airplane. <laughs> I will never go bungee jumping. I like my feet on the ground. But there's not necessarily, in my opinion, a benefit for me in such a thing. But if I realize that something I'm scared of is if I, if I try it and I think it's going to make a positive difference, you got to do it. you got to do You know, it. Colleen, I may have to come to New Jersey and kidnap you and take uh, you bungee jumping with me because it, oh no. it will change <laughs> your life. It is by far the scariest thing I have ever done. And I've done it multiple times because it's the scariest thing I've ever done. I thought I was going to pee in my pants. It is outrageously scary. And at the same time, after you take that first step, the only step that even matters, it is the most exhilarating feeling in the world. It is unbelievable. And and to me, the reason that I did it, because if I can do that, the thing that scares me the most, I can do anything. Absolutely. That, and, and I do believe that. So we may have to put this on our bucket list, girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <I can laughs> those butterflies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's that fun stuff. I mean, that's what makes us know we're alive. Absolutely. Yeah, there's something about risk. I mean, any risk you take, whether you know, I think about public speaking. Right, so many of us are so terrified to speak in front of people and. And I remember going through, you know, many, many years of my life, again, through my mid-20s, where um, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could never speak in front of people. And, um, and I always again, say that... it's a story. Yeah, there was, I had a very important mentor that I worked with for three years. And, uh, and just before she was going to leave Rutgers, we were, you know, I was her re- research assistant. Just before she was going to leave, she had asked me if I would substitute teach a class for her while she went up to a conference. And uh, in wanting to please her, I said yes. And as the day got closer and closer and closer, I was sicker and sicker, sicker over it. And I bailed out on her at the very last minute. And I always say that that was the defining moment where I, I, I ended up sort of losing a relationship or, you know, hurting a relationship with somebody who was very important to me because of a fear, a silly, silly fear. And that was when I turned that around. I said, well, I need to find someone who's going to, let me teach a class. <laughs> I'm going to have to learn how to, you know, to, sure. to get over this. And sure. how, funny, how funny is it when something that you would rather have died than, than do it becomes something that gives you the greatest adrenaline rush in the world? So I guess the bungee jumping could maybe not be much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're coming around that easily. That's great. <laughs> Well, Colleen, I have to ask you, you know, for those that are dealing with something frightening in their life, you know, their monster, their speaking in front of people, their bungee jumping, whatever it is, give us two or three steps. What are things that they can do, tangible things that will help them get past fear? I think the first thing you have to do is you have to recognize the the other times in your life that you've been able to do it. And And I think just about anybody can look back and say, there was a time when I faced something that was absolutely terrifying, either because I chose to or because I was forced to, and I somehow came through it and out the other end. And 
not only did I come out the other end, but usually people can, you know, later on find the wisdom from that experience. You know, what did I do? Sure. In, was I, did I become stronger? Did I become a better person? Did, how did that, how did facing something that terrified me change me in a good way? And it usually does. Even the worst experiences, typically we can we can find how they've changed us in a good way. At least over time, we can find that. Um, so I think the first thing anybody needs to do is realize that you've done it before. Whoever you are, you've done it before. You've probably done it a million times. And if you sit down quietly with yourself, and even with, you know, I think writing is something I, I find very useful. Is, you know, journal it, write it down. Where are the other moments where I've been so scared that I thought I could die, but I did it, and I... And I, I won, you know, I triumphed, I, I succeeded. So when did I do it before? Two, plan it, break it down. Everything seems, you know, anything scary seems huge, right? Until we, 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 we break it down into little steps. How can you take this thing that you're so scared of and instead of, you know, this big gigantic monster that it is, how can we kind of take that little monster apart? Sure little pieces and and make them tackleable make them doable make them something that you can begin to see your progress towards it you know sometimes we think we have to you know jump completely head first and 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 occasionally that may be the right thing to do but sometimes it's easier to say oh you know let me put my feet in the water just a little bit and test it out and and go slowly 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 until i've now realized that i'm halfway there because I, I broke it down into little steps. And already you can feel the tension in the shoulders dissipating, Ooh. the breath coming back to normal. Okay, I'm going to make it through this. Going to survive it. Yeah, we all have it. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate those insights. You know, and it makes me want to ask you, do you have, I mean, you've got a very busy life. You're a professor, you're a mom, you're a best-selling author, you know, you're a coach, you're a counselor. You've got a lot going on in your world. How do you stay grounded? Do you have specific things that you do each and every day as part of the, you know your regular routine that keep you on track? Um, yeah, I, I think that one. I found that the older I get, um, I need I need structure in my life. I need I need a little bit of routine. I used to kind of be very fly by night, but uh, <laughs> I think after having a child that that has that goes out the window, you you learn that you can't live like that anymore. Um, and so I think, you know, one, a little bit of a routine. I need to know kind of when I'm going to be doing the things I'm doing. I, I live by a to-do list. I won't lie. Every Sunday night I, I make my to-do list with my personal on one side and my professional on the other side. And, you know, so I could kind of cross off and track what's going on and, and, uh, and feel that sense of accomplishment. But I think for me to stay grounded, too, um, the things that I honestly love to do the most, one, I'm lucky. I turned hobbies into a career and I you know I I tell people if there's any way that you can do that that that's the the best way to live and and I see that you know you seem to have done the very same thing sure find what you love find what you love and find a way to make it your career and you know while I don't necessarily fully believe that idea that you'll never work a day in your life you know we, we all have stress and sometimes you get tired but it makes work fun and it means that Absolutely. Right. You're you're sort of always having fun. Even when you're doing your work, you're having fun. And that that's that's been very important for me um, since I made the switch from 
I used to work full-time at Rutgers as an administrator, which I also loved, but it wasn't quite my passion anymore. And so turning passion into profession was huge. But the other piece for me is that whatever it is that you love, that you do need to find a way to do it every single day. And for me, that's just being with my family. It's very, very simple. Spending time with my husband and my son are critical for me. I make sure that, you know, sometimes people will say, clients will ask me, you know, uh, just the other day, someone had asked if they, you know, they could do a phone call at 8.15 p.m. And that's really my cutoff. I say, I don't do any, I won't be on the telephone with clients after 8 p.m. I may be doing some work, you know, I won't sure. lie on my computer, you know, is what it is. But, um, but I'm not going to, I don't, I like to physically be in the presence of my son and my husband after 8 p.m. and on the weekend. It's very important to me. I, I make a, it, that's my rule, it's not dictated by anyone, but it's important to me to make time for them because they're, they're the people that bring me joy. You know, looking, looking at my son sitting next to me on the couch as simple as, you know, as a parent, you know this, you, you look and just, they're magic to you. And he brings me more joy than, than anything in the world. So I think you have to know what are the things that bring you joy? What are the things that make you feel energized or excited or exhilarated about life? You have to find time for that every single day. Even if it's not a ton of time, you have to do it, whatever that is, every day. Couldn't agree with you more. This is all great stuff, great insights that you're sharing with our listeners today, Colleen, and I really appreciate it. Now I'm going to jump into my big favorite question. (laughs) If you were to summarize your greatest wisdom, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? I think what I would say is that no matter what we experience, no matter what stresses we go through, um, we always have the ability to learn from our experiences, take, take the positive, take the wisdom, even from the hardest of things that we go through, and turn them into something that we can use, turn them into something that we can use, either to help others, to teach others, to teach ourselves, to do it differently next time, to do it, you know, in, in a way that has a, a, a better result for us. But that it's all, it's really all within us. You know, the, the large majority of the answers that we ask are right within us. And I, and I do, and I will say that I do believe in a God. And for me, I feel that each of us has a purpose. We're all, all put here to do something. And, you know, we, we also have free will. And so we, we make our choices of what we do with that purpose and that information. But if we listen, and I, I think this is probably my, my greatest wisdom and feeling, if you listen to that inner voice that's inside of you, I believe that's someone beyond telling you what it is that your purpose is, and it leads you in the right direction every single time. Absolutely. Follow that voice. Yeah. Great stuff. Colleen, you just now touched on sharing your stories, learning from mistakes. Talk to us a little bit about your latest project. Ooh, well, um, so Contagious Optimism, uh, which launched in June of uh, this year, 2013, uh, author David Mezapel, who I encountered for the first time a few years ago, I believe it was in 2010, um, you know, 2011, uh, very randomly. Um, I was, I was, huh. as it, <laughs> but isn't it always very randomly? Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> right. Random, right. <laughs> but anyway, random. please the, continue. The, the random purpose of something beyond us. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, uh, so this project, is, is really about, we have in this book 
over 70 people who share their personal stories or their personal wisdoms about how do you, I mean, the stories are so diverse. The people are so diverse. These are authors from all around the world, all around the world who lawyers and doctors and activists and parents and musicians and artists and athletes and business people, you name it, who talk about how they've overcome the loss of a loved one or a trauma or an illness or losing a job or a house or difficulties in a marriage or divorce or family problems or just every, every possible thing that, that we, we encounter that, that people go through. And people share their own stories about how did they do it? You know, what was it like to feel that defeat or that challenge or that tragedy? And how did you, how did you find meaning and wisdom and purpose in that experience? And then what did you do with it? And we have over 70 people like myself and David who leads this project um, who, who, who share their stories. Excellent. And, Excellent. Yeah, well, we'll put the links directly on Inspire Me Today so people can go buy the book. <laughs> And uh, help support that work in any way. But with everything you've already done, I mean, you're you're not even 40 yet. And you have this, you know, litany, this huge list here of accomplishments. What's next? If you had just one more thing that you could accomplish or experience in your lifetime, what would it be, Colleen? Oh, my God. That's a hard uh, Other than bungee jumping. <laughs> other than bungee jumping? Other than bungee jumping. What would your one thing be? Oh, goodness. That's. Oh, that, that is a really hard question. Um, well, it is because it's. I'm asking for not a list of things. I'm asking for one thing. And it makes us take those huge bucket lists and go do-do-do-do-do-do-do down to one. What would it be? Oh, truthfully, um, I, would, I would probably, I got to say, one day, I wish to write a book that I wrote all by myself. <laughs> That's my... That's probably it. Good That's for probably. you. Well, you know what? <laughs> when honest. that day comes, and well, we hope you will be, and when that day comes, we'll be here to help you promote it. How's that? Thank you. I appreciate that. I, it, I, I hope in the next few years that, that, will, that will happen. Excellent. My husband keeps saying, where's the book? Where's the book? So. <laughs> well, you know what? You got to listen to those husbands, right? <laughs> yes. Sounds like he's a smart man. Oh, he's very smart. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to uh, reading that book when it comes out. Colleen, is there anything else you'd like to share with us and with our listeners in closing? Um, you know, I, I guess I would I would share that, you know, one thing that when I saw an interview, um, I think it was Phil, oh, I can't remember his name, Bolsta, I believe uh -huh. it was. Phil Bolsta. Right. And, um, and uh, you had kind of spoken about your story about how you, when you were at the gym, would listen to what, music when you were doing one thing, and then you would listen to inspirational right. you know, stories. Books on and, tape on the other. Right. <laughs> I, I think I would share that, that I, I, like you, really believe that you have to fill your cup or fill your, fill your day with stories, with, with quotes, wisdom from from other people too, you know, it can't just be, it's about what's within, but we, I think we build what's within by, you know, sharing and listening to other people. And, Absolutely. Uh, we're all connected. We're all connected. And, uh, you know, inspire me today. Um, positively positive is another one I like. There's quite a few out there that, uh, every single day I make sure that I have, you know, my subscriptions to certain sites like yours and, 
I fill up on that every day and every night. In my morning, I fill up on it before I start my day. And I, you know, I fill it up right before I go to sleep at night. I think we have to constantly, what we, as they say, what we put in our body makes a difference, what we eat and what we put in our mind and our hearts and our spirits make a difference. And yes. I would say, Feed the soul. Yeah, feed the soul. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Colleen, for taking the time away from your family, your clients, your, your busy, busy life, and uh, sharing your brilliance with our listeners. We really appreciate who you are. Well, I'm really honored to have, have spoken with you, Gail. Very, very honored. Well, thank you. Thank so you. And again, you can find out more about today's luminary, Colleen Georges, just by coming on back to inspiremetoday.com. Put in her name in the browse section, and there you will find uh, her written inspiration, her profile bio, and other information, including where to buy this new to-be best-selling book coming out very shortly. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. And to our listeners, thanks for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We love you. We're here for you. We'll see you tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by.